Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. So the reason why we're spending time on this series, because I believe it's it's vital for us to understand that a relationship with God is supposed to be a relationship of freedom. It's a relationship of freedom in Christ. So that means when you submit your life to the Lord and you give yourself over to God, a whole new realm of freedom, a whole new realm of understanding, a whole new realm of of seeing the world and seeing each other and seeing your place in this world opens up to you. In that realm, however, is us who are human, who are flawed and we do things and we sin and we mess up and we have struggles. Right. So this series is supposed to help us navigate through those things that keep us from embracing the fullness of God's freedom and the full relationship with the Lord, a pure, genuine relationship with the Lord, so that we can walk with God in our humanity as he is perfecting us. So the closer you get to God, the more spiritual you're going to be, the more holy you're going to become, the more your relationship, God's character is going to rub off on you as you walk with him. So that's the whole point. So we've been wrestling with the real issues that we really deal with. Disqualifying ourselves, not being able to forgive ourselves, guilt, shame. So these issues that a lot of us are wrestling with constantly, every day. Some of us have issues that have been going on for years and years and years with our family, personal issues, whatever. And in in order for us to fully embrace God's forgiveness for us, God's love for us, these things can tend to be roadblocks. So this is the context for those of you who are just joining us. This is the context by which we are um, talking about it. And all the conversion is just another way of us saying the process of sanctification, basically, which means we're being set apart. We're being made suitable for God's use. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're we're being made suitable for Mm, for optimal use, optimal use. Yep. And that's for God and that's for each other. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is a process of inner healing. And I pray that it's happening to all of you. Certainly it's happening for us, you know, it's, it's, it's really forcing us to come into um, another level of transparency and also another level of accountability to ourselves and to a community where that we're all growing in grace together. Right. Just because we're doing this doesn't mean that we're by far anywhere, you know, near perfect. God knows that's the truth. But we're all striving. And that's what we ask of you, that as you join us, that you make a commitment to strive to please God, that you make a commitment to strive to allow God to heal you in your innermost places. So last week, we kind of talked about shame and kind of felt like there was a little bit more that we could uh, talk about um, regarding this whole idea of what keeps us in the dark. And it kind of made me think about, you know, as we reflected and and Rachel and I had a really good conversation this morning as we were meditating on, on what we would say about it. Um, and I was thinking, I was like, oh, shame is one of those things. It's kind of like when you get a stain in your clothes, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that, you know, it's, you have to wash it a few times, but it's always like the residue there. Right. Right. And, and for some of us, it doesn't really have to be like a major thing that we've done. And the, the crazy thing about shame is, is shame can be projected on us. 
Right. So we can be given a reason to feel like we should feel ashamed. Right. So so a lot of times the shame that we feel is not necessarily from us it's being projected on us. And we embrace that because it's connected to our perception of, of, of how we're being perceived by other people. Or sometimes association. That, that's what I was going to say yeah. earlier, but mm-hmm. the, the moment had kind of passed. Yeah. Um, and it came to me last week, too, how sometimes it's not just our behaviors. Because when we were given the definition and I added the behavioral part of it, like mm-hmm. the behavioral aspect to shame that, you know, causes you to feel shame. But sometimes it's just who you're associated with yeah. that will bring on the shame. So it's yeah. a family name. Mm. It's something that your parents did or, mm-hmm. you know, that's just been something in your family line, a story that nobody really talks about, but everybody knows about. Like mm-hmm. all those mm-hmm. things can also bring on shame and we will take it on and take it upon ourselves and it doesn't belong to us. Yeah. yeah. Like you just said, yeah. like, you know, things yeah. that that don't belong to us that legitimately we we had nothing to do with. Yeah. Like and, and we have no control over. We're still like some things. Yes, we feel shame about, you know, like our behaviors and things that we've done in the past. You know, we had control over to an extent our our actions. Mm-hmm. But some things we had absolutely no control over, but we still carry that shame. Mm-hmm. And it and when we were talking this morning, you know, it, and we were talking about what God did with Adam and Eve yeah. regarding the shame that they felt. Like he he basically erased it because like it was like, "No, I'm going to take on the shame and I'm going to give you something for it." Yes. Yes. So that's it. Yeah. Cause that's, that's, that's really good. So let's, let's catch people up okay. with, with that part because, okay. So we understand the creation story, Adam and Eve, right? And we'll just do a quick recap of that. And then we'll take you to where, where Rachel just landed us. Cause that's where we're going, right? What did God do with the shame? Like what, what is God's formula for helping us to deal with this debilitating thing? Right? So Adam and Eve are in the garden. They, uh, they sin. God gives them a choice. They choose the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they were seduced into doing that. It wasn't their intent to do that, but a suggestion was made to cause them to fall into that trap, which is what happens. This is how shame is conceived, Mm -hmm. right? Shame is conceived at the core when we see ourselves or we are suggest there's a suggestion that we don't have what we need. There's a deficiency somewhere, right? There's a deficiency somewhere. There's an introduction of you're not enough or something is not enough that pertains to you. The way we get there is, and the way the way it happened in the garden was, the Bible says in the second chapter, the last verse of the second chapter of Genesis, and Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed, right? And we talked about the definition of nakedness from God's perspective. Nakedness from God's perspective means that there was nothing else that they needed, right? Like when he made them naked, they were unashamed. Why? Because they had, they were made exactly how God wanted them to be made. And it wasn't until... The serpent came in the situation and introduced something that they didn't know. He injected another way of thinking about themselves. Did God say this? Did God really mean this? Did God? And that causes the questions of, okay, well, if God is my creator and God made me and God formed me um, and he made me, uh, did he get everything right? Right. And what the serpent did was he caused them to start looking at what they didn't have and prior having them obsess about the one tree that was there that they didn't have. 
compared to all the other things that they had. Now, I keep thinking about this, right? Because whenever we hear the, the, the creation story, it always is told like there was only two trees in the garden. Mm-hmm. Right? If this is a garden, this is their habitat, and this is where they are, how's there only going to be two trees there? That doesn't make any sense. There was a lot of trees there. Like, if you, like there's got to be a whole lot of vegetation if there's rivers flowing through this garden, right? So, but what happens is the suggestions always prioritize the one thing that we don't have to cause us to forget all the good things that we do have. That's the saying, the grass is always green on the other side, right? So this is the premise of where seeds of deficiency, seeds of lack are planted into our psyche. And then we start feeling like we have to chase after something that is not necessary. Okay. And that's what happens basically in the garden. That's what happened um, um, with the serpent did. So the serpent does this, causes them or influences them. The woman takes the fruit. The woman eats it, gives it to the man. All of a sudden now the Bible says they realize that they are naked and they run and hide from the presence of God. And God comes down and God basically says, where are y'all? And it was intriguing to hear that God is asking where they are. This also implies the fact that God was communing with them before. Like they probably had a spot that they were meeting with God all the time. Mm -hmm. And something changed where all of a sudden you're seeing something that you weren't ready for. And now your mindset has changed towards your creator. And now you're not only ashamed of yourself, but you're also ashamed of your relationship with the creator that you missed the appointment to meet, to commune. So God comes down and where are y'all? And then their response is, well, um, you know, I heard you coming and we realized we were naked. So we wanted to hide from you. Mm. And what we don't really understand is when we go into our caves to comfort ourselves or shelter ourselves from the light of our future or from the light of our relationships and we hide. We're not just hiding ourselves. We're hiding from God and we're hiding from other people. And I just think about that, like the whole hiding part, there's a selfishness to it because it's and it's not intentional. Right. Because what, what it does is what shame does is shame causes your pride to prioritize protecting yourself over making yourself available for other people. So there's a concept of us in this earth, how God has designed us. He's designed us to walk a life that's not about us. You matter to more people than you realize. And when we are not allowing God to help us to come into the fullness of who he's called us to be, we are then almost disrespecting the people that God has us there for. It has a lot less to do with our own personal issues because we all have them, our own personal problems because we all have them. But at the same time, God wants to use us as tools and as blessings to people so that your life speaks more than your words. So people can see you and not see you as much as they see God, right? So shame is one of those things that kind of prevents us from coming into the fullness of who God called us to be because it's connected to our pride so intricately. Mm-hmm. It's connected to our egos so intricately that when our egos are bruised, when we're embarrassed, we do this. We cower down and people are not able to see the glory on our lives. Even when we don't see the glory on our own lives, there's still glory there. Because we are supposed to be a reflection and radiance of God. So in a nutshell, this is the creation story where they go ahead and partake. And God's communication with them is God comes down to see where they are. They hide from God. 
It's very important to understand God's posture towards shame is that you're hiding yourself, but he's still coming after you. Anybody who tells you that God wants you to run from him, that is not biblical. God wants you to hide from him. You're not worthy enough to come to church. You're not worthy enough to have a relationship with God. You're not worthy. That is not biblical. And you're not worthy enough to speak right. your experience. And this was something we were talking about this morning. You know, I, I struggle with um, there's certain character or characteristics or um, attributes that I have that can sometimes get me in trouble. I, I can tend to be, you know, a little bit more expressive than the average person. And, you know, we'll call it passionate. Mm-hmm. You know, some would call it a hothead. I call it passionate. But there are times and there were times when I would get myself in trouble. And when I came to and I, I realized, you know, what my behavior had done or caused it would cause me to feel shame so that, that when I made any type of progress after that, yeah. as soon as I made another mistake, I, it's like my mind completely reset back mm-hmm. to zero. Mm-hmm. And I immediately took on the shame of what my decisions did to me. Mm-hmm. And it caused me to not be able to function the way God wanted me to function. Yeah. You know, I mean, I grew up in church. So, you know, I was always in the front, like, you know, doing things, leading praise and worship in the choir. So I was visible. But because of those those parts of me there, I wrestled internally on moving forward and functioning in ministry and mm-hmm. even just allowing people to see my full self, because right. I always felt like I needed to hide and cover that part of me mm-hmm. when God's grace is what covers me, Amen. not my ability to to make myself right or make myself uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And when I would make mistakes, my mind would tell me, you're not worthy to stand before people yeah. or sing or like, how are you going to sing and tell people and sing about God and, and, and you lost your temper or you lost your cool or, or this person has a problem with, you know, whatever, whatever your thing is similar to mine, mm-hmm. you know, he'll whisper in your ear and cause you to not do mm-hmm. what God called you to do because you feel like I'm not worthy to speak on God's behalf or I'm not worthy to do those things because I'm taking on the shame of what I've done in the past. Like you said, that stain. Yeah. So it, 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 it kind of link always lingers and it will take us back to square one. Yeah. And it's, it'll be like we never made any progress, and which that- is a lie. Absolutely. It's a lie. Absolutely. And then that, that's one of the things. Right. And it's kind of like when we are forced to like hide, like you're not worthy enough to sing. You're not worthy enough. All that that internal conversation is happening outside of the watchful eye of God because we're hidden. Right. So it's almost like you leaving a kid to their own like devices. So like I was thinking about like <laughs> I was thinking about Lily when she, you know, when, when she's in the room by herself. And we're listening to her own little kitty conversations mm-hmm. like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this and mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. And she's creating all these ideas that she's doing. And outside of the watchful eye, you know, the parent is attentive and trying to be attentive to what the kid is doing because the kid can create a reality that's not safe for them. And they can start doing things that are not going to be harmful, that are harmful to them. Yeah. And that's kind of like what happens to us. It causes us to hide and we leave ourselves with our own mind. Right. And, and, and a lot of times the ideas that we get 
about ourselves lead to destruction. Mm-hmm. Like th- this is where suicidal thoughts and all these other things start start happening because we, we, we have left ourselves in the dark outside of the realm of the truth that is how God really sees me. Shame seeks to redefine the definition of how God is to be perceived. Right. And that's what happened. That's what happened in the garden. Well, did God really say, well, he, how could he really love you? How could he really care about you? Because if he cares about you, then he would have told you everything. No, mm-hmm. that's like me saying my younger daughter, I'm going to tell her things that are beyond her maturity level to understand. That's when appropriate knowledge given too soon becomes destructive. Over time, there are some things that are reserved for maturity, naturally, right? So we were talking about this morning about the tree and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in, in, in the Bible. God says he doesn't want you to have it now. He didn't say, I don't ever want you to have it. Right. And what happens, the suggestion of, of that is uh, it's, it's like a ruined surprise. We kind of use this analogy when we were talking <laughs> earlier today about, you know, getting a gift or getting a present and getting something um, or having something. You probably say it better than me. Getting a present or whatever. And the parent has reserved it for you. Right. And someone basically ruins the surprise. Yeah. Like your oldest sibling tells you, oh, mommy and daddy got you this toy you wanted, but it's under the bed because your birthday's next week. Mm -hmm. And you go get the toy from underneath the bed and you don't know how to use it. And you don't, it hasn't, it's yours. It belongs to you Mm because it was intended for you, but it, it hasn't been presented to you yet. It's for you. But it's not yours yet. Mm-hmm. So you go and get the toy and you start playing with it and you don't know what you're doing and you break it or, you know, you ruin it, whatever the case is, or you wear it before you're supposed to and you yep. get a, you spill something on it, yep. whatever it is. And now that that what was intended to be great is now ruined because it was be it was premature and it wasn't. And. I, we, we, we use that example to say how God, when he has something for you, mm-hmm. he intends to show it to you and show you how to use it in time. Because mm-hmm. that's that's essentially what happened in the garden. Yeah. They were given something and the devil. And this this all just points back to really the whole series and everything we talk about points back to the fall of man and how Christ came to redeem us mm-hmm. in the garden. The devil deceived mankind. By allowing them to believe that what God had reserved was never for them, mm-hmm. which causes you to question God's judgment and God's sovereignty. And that's what essentially they yeah. took something that was premature and they ruined it. And rather than God allowing mankind's judgment to be sealed forever, because in that passage, he says to the Godhead. And this, mm-hmm. this is a, a like a theological, this is, theological. He's, yes. this is kind of Elohim. deep waters. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but he says to himself and, mm-hmm. and the Godhead, yeah. now Father, we Son, have, we have uh-huh. to take, we have to basically take them out the garden because they've eaten from this tree. If they eat from the tree of life, they'll live forever. And that basically means they'll live forever in this state mm-hmm. of, of not knowing not coming into the fullness of what I had the way I wanted to give it to them. Mm -hmm. So now we are heading back towards that. Like I said last week, you know, when you're born, you die, you're heading towards death, but your spirit is heading towards life because we're heading back towards what God 
originally intended. intended. Mm -hmm. So, again, getting back to our point for today, Mm -hmm. shame will cause us to stay in that state of our mistake, like in the garden. And we stay in the state of, Dag, I just ate this tree. And in that moment, I'm sure they realized we probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah. We, we, we probably, you know, when you do something and like immediately after you're like, why did I do that? Yep. That was not a good idea. Yeah. And then you, you're like, okay, how am I going to fix this? So let me just, you know, and, and, and oftentimes you can't fix you can't it. can't fix it. And even when you fix it, you're not really fixing it because the damage is done. Yeah. So they're in the garden going, okay, we just ate this fruit and our eyes are opened. What did we just expose ourselves to? Mm-hmm. And the shame that comes along with that Mm -hmm. causes you, like we've been saying the whole time, hide. And they went and they made a covering for themselves. Yeah. Rather than going to the creator, they made the covering for Mm -hmm. themselves. But God, in his grace and in his love, he decides, no. And this, this was the point before I even get to what I was where we were heading, mm-hmm. ultimately. Mm-hmm. When you read the passage, when you read Genesis 3, and, it, you know, like I said, he, he basically says, you know, who told you you were naked? Yep. And then he goes into, God goes into the fact that, you know, we have to basically take, remove them from the garden so that they don't eat from the tree of life. Uh-huh. In the same passage, he is telling them, listen, there is going to be consequences. Always. To what was done. Yeah. You are going to have to work to eat. You're going to experience pain with childbirth. If you read it, he says. And this is Genesis chapter three. Chapter three. Twelve, right? Well, 13. Okay. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this. Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. So this is to the serpent. Mm -hmm. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. And any woman that has had children knows that that is very much the case. You desire, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So uh, this, this is just speaking to the fact that... The consequences. There mm-hmm. are consequences to our actions. Now, notice it's not shame. There's consequences that we have to now deal with. Mm-hmm. But God never says, and you will feel... Mm-hmm. That's a certain good. way. That's very good. Oh, this you is the to re- be ashamed of yourself right. of what you did. Yeah. This is the reality, mm-hmm. the new norm, mm-hmm. but he never says, I want you to feel this way because of the new norm. Mm-hmm. This is just the reality. His grace allows you to deal with what the new norm is, right? Mm-hmm. 
20 says Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. But this is what ultimately we were heading to. Mm-hmm. The, fir- the 21st verse says the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So he didn't allow them to stay naked in their exposed state. Yeah. And he didn't allow them to keep the fig leaves that they that sowed. they made. They sowed yeah. fig leaves as a covering, but that was not sufficient enough. Mm-hmm. So he had to go and use skins. Now, where do skins come from? I wouldn't imagine that he skinned an animal alive. So that meant something had to die in order to cover them. Mm-hmm. So it brings me back to the cross and how Christ had to die for us mm-hmm. to be our covering. Mm-hmm. So just like Adam and Eve got the covering from the animal skins that God covered them with, mm-hmm. it was like a foreshadowing to ultimately what would be our ultimate redemption. Yeah. And that's the remedy for shame and everything else yep. is the covering of skin or Christ that God provided. Amen. Amen. So that's the ultimate point that we're trying to make, I think. And and just closing up the concept of shame is what do we do with the shame that we have, whether Mm -hmm. it's from people we're associated with, whether it's from mistakes, whether it's just from things that we've created in our mind. Ultimately, instead of running from God and creating our own covering, Mm -hmm. our own fig leaves, trying to go in fixing mode. Right. Run to God. Yeah. Run to where you met him last Mm. and allow him to cover you the way he wants to cover you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this time uh, set aside uh, to gather at your feet and hear from you once more. We thank you for your abundant grace that uh, and your, your grace and mercy that endures forever that allows us to get to you, God. Mm. You, you have created a remedy and you've provided a remedy for us to be reconciled with you and to come back to you, God. We do not have to live in the shame mm. that the enemy would wish us to carry and hold on to. You have allowed us freedom. You have given us a way of escape. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. you, I pray, God, that we continue to walk in it. Those of us that haven't embraced it, I pray that we embrace it, that we walk in it, that we run to you instead of running away, God, Mm -hmm. that we do not continue to live in the fig leaves that we have sown for ourselves, but that we take on the skin that you have provided for us, the covering, the grace that you have given us so that we do not have to walk in shame. Yes. But instead, like Christ, we can cast it aside, we can disregard it mm-hmm. and scorn it, and that we can fellowship with you yes. like you intended for us, God. Amen. Yes, Lord. I pray, God, that you would look on the needs of your people, those requests that have been made, the petitions that have been made, God. We come boldly before you, and we ask, God, that you would look on us, that you would heal those that need healing, physical healing. I pray, God, Mm. that you would cover us, God, that you would allow us to walk in peace, Mm. no anxiety, no depression, no no fear, that we would walk in freedom, love, joy. Yes, Lord. I pray, God, that you would continue to provide for us, meet every need, financial, emotional, spiritual, 
Oh God, just in total, make us whole. I pray, God, that you would continue to keep us safe. Yes, Lord. Wrapped in your bubble, encapsulate us, God, in your love. Keep us safe from everything out in the world. And we thank you and we praise you for the grace that you've given us. Thank you, Lord. To accept those things that will not change. The mercy when we fall short and the favor to obtain the things we cannot on our own. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. 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 We hope you've been blessed by what we shared. You can follow us at Sunday Devotionals on Instagram and like us on Facebook, where we can continue our discussions and keep in touch. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.